love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. about raising men that remain boys and I, I love that title and I want you to kind of explain to our listeners what on earth we're going to be talking about here this week. I'd love to Jonathan. Uh, this was uh, kind of a topic that came to my mind uh, based upon a couple of situations with clients as well as just uh, just seeing guys sometimes who uh, struggle with their sexuality, struggle with their addictions and they end up coming to me and saying, you know, uh, I, I don't know why I do this. And then we delve into their upbringing and their childhood. And usually you got a guy who at least can a, a, be able to look at all of his brokenness and even his parents' brokenness on some level and say, yeah, this was not great and this was not great. However, you come across a guy every now and then who truly believes that his mom and dad were the absolute best thing possible. And I'm not saying all men who think their mom and dad never made a mistake have issues. I'm just saying for these particular men, what you end up finding out is is that they generally either still live at home or they're still overly involved with mom and dad in a lot of areas in their life. And you start to find that what's really happened is, is mom and dad have kind of raised this man to remain a boy. And so there's almost like some enmeshment issues there where there's not there's not any clear definitions of of where lines are drawn as a as an adolescent especially becomes a man in other words where some of those breaks are made and where some of the transformation is made between full dependence upon mom and dad and then developing some independence in terms of becoming a man absolutely absolutely usually what you see are some real kind of just like you said lines getting crossed boundaries that are getting crossed over and over and over again uh, where this guy is still taken care of quite frequently by his mom or his dad. They step in very often when he needs help rather than allowing him to kind of, you know, spread his own wings and learn how to fly. And so this guy is probably going to be thinking, no, I've had a great upbringing. Mom and dad have been nothing but gr wonderful to me. But then on the other side of that, what they've also done is made him way too comfortable where he's at. So uh, kind of like we were talking about earlier, the bird never wants to really leave the nest. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that off air. I was talking about how when he when when Lee mentioned this topic to me, I was thinking, you know, imagine imagine eagles in the wild and if there's this completely grown eagle that's still living in the nest, 
What would all the other eagles in the population think of that? Would they think that he's got great parents? No, because at a certain point, eagle moms and dads push the other push the babies out of the nest. And sure, dad's there to catch them if they can't get their wings spread, but they get pushed out of the nest. Right. That's part of the process of them becoming a fully mature adult eagle. And that's a great representation of what I'm trying to say here. That is that here's this grown man who still lives as a boy, thinking this is all that life has to offer. But if he doesn't get pushed out of the nest, he will never learn how to spread his wings and really soar because those adult eagles get to soar at really high heights and they get to do amazing speeds. And Things flying. they could never do in the nest. That's right. <laughs> and so that's actually where this all kind of came out of is, is, you know, here's this guy who comes to me saying, you know, I'm struggling with my sexuality. I want to masturbate all the time. I can't stop looking at porn. And yet what I start to find is he has a whole bunch of idle time on his hands because he doesn't have to work. Or if he works, he he works little and comes home and hangs out with mom and dad all day. Uh, or mom and dad are out working while he's at home by himself. So you've got this kid who's in a 24 or 25-year-old body, and he just doesn't really know how to function. And so guess where he's going to turn for the only excitement in his life? Because guess what? Everything else is taken care of. He's going to turn to his sexuality at that point. Mm-hmm. Now let's let's back up just a little bit for our listeners, and because you started this program out really talking about, you know, trying to um, help a person in their brokenness by going back into some of their childhood, let's let's take just a minute for you to kind of explain what the benefit and what the 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 motivation for going into those areas is when it's when it's uh, about healing from sexual brokenness because you know certainly there's people in, that fall into all different kinds of camps when it talks about talking about childhood and I think especially even even uh, Christians will often sort of be scared of that and think that that something's oh, are you talking about hypnosis are you talking about going back on a witch hunt to try to blame parents blame abuse you know it's like what is the purpose ultimately for which you take a client kind of back into their childhood to start look at some, looking at some of the things that were that were somehow linked at least in your mind to their eventual sexual brokenness as an adult sure well actually i mean one of the things that we've kind of started seeing probably in the last 10 years or so is that sexual addiction is not just oh, wow, I just like a lot of sex, and I just like to have sex all the time. Mm -hmm. It's more triggered by past, and so it's trying to figure out where did this kid have some brokenness in his past that now as a man he doesn't really know how to handle his own sexuality. And so, yeah, I understand. Some parents are probably out there going, wait a minute, here we go again. It's all my fault. That's right. Here this counselor is going to tell me what a horrible parent I was. But I think as parents, we all have to look at what have I done to either encourage my child to be the best he or she can be, or what have I done to somehow be a detriment to his upbringing. And isn't, I mean, I know this is kind of the stance you take, and I think this is this is really the stance that our ministry takes, is that we're, we're more interested in complete healing in families, not just healing in an individual. Absolutely. And I think sometimes one of the benefits of going back into the childhood is saying, listen, let's let's all admit our brokenness in this family. And out of that, maybe it's, you know, maybe the instigation for the eventual healing of an entire family is because there's this individual that's developed this severe sexual addiction. And so they realize their lives have become unmanageable. They can't, they can't live that way. And so they come to seek out help. And then through that, there's the hope that eventually the parents will also 
be part of this healing process, which, which acknowledges, hey, we're all imperfect as parents. Absolutely. We're all going to wound our children in some way, whether it be emotionally or otherwise. It, we, we miss the mark. And so in that, there's an opportunity for parents who have maybe, like it says here, raised a man to, be, to, to remain a boy. There's an opportunity for parents to even change in how they engage their son. It's not just about the son learning how to place certain boundaries and say, I'm going to grow up and be a man and sort of kind of cast mom and dad aside. Right. It's more about full on heal, you know, complete healing in the family. Sure. And someone once said, and I don't remember exactly who the, who, who quoted this, but I think it's a, it's a great statement. It says the real definition of crazy is continuing to do the same things you've always done and expecting something to change. Right. And I think sometimes parents, even because as I talk to men, sometimes their parents are still asking, why do you still have this problem? Or why can't you keep a job? Or why can't you, you know, why, why is this your second divorce? You know, mm-hmm. and what ends up happening is you begin to find out that the, the parents keep wanting it to change, but yet they keep doing some of the same behaviors that mm-hmm. keep the child in the place where they're at. And so the only way to deal with that is sometimes looking back to your childhood and saying, okay, what did happen? Where were the places where mom and dad either over-affectioned me, so to speak, over-loved me, or under-loved me? Because there really is a perfect balance in there, and none of us reach it. And let's just be honest about that on the air here. No, no parent absolutely reaches that perfection where they don't over-love too much and they don't under-love too little. But the bottom line is, is once you see those things, then you start to understand where some of the brokenness might come from. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to bring out on this show was was the the two sides to the coin here because right. certainly we want to ab- we absolutely want to help that that man child <laughs> you know that right. that guy who's in the man body but he's a kid he's really hasn't broken or or matured into a true man as an adult but also we have to acknowledge that there's the parent aspect to it and I kind of I kind of hope the rest of our time we'll be able to sort of speak to both of those in other words what would be a good course of action for the man that's struggling with the sexual addiction, but a lot of it is 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 rooted in him still just behaving like a boy and, and staying in that cocoon, but then also what kind of help can we offer to parents who are perpetuating that kind of environment sure. and how can they start to break out of that? Well, and this could be a probably a two- or three-part radio show, period, but just to kind of run through it real quick. You know, this isn't a respecter of whether a guy's got a heterosexual sex addiction or a homosexual sex addiction. Uh, Homosexual sex addicts don't generally have great relationships with their dads, so we're probably going to see that the dad wasn't wasn't the one who overly enmeshed himself with his son, Uh, although that has happened, and so there's that example of too much or too little. But, you know, regardless, what the guy may want to do, what the man who's struggling with his sexuality may want to do is start to look at okay, what exactly is the pattern of my life? You know, was my mom or dad overly involved in my upbringing? Was there privacy in my bedroom? Could could I keep the door shut and not have mom and dad barge in on me without asking? Uh, did they get overly involved in personal issues in my life? Were there, you know, am I 20 years old now and mom's still doing my laundry for me? Or am I 25 years old and mom's still doing my laundry? Or I'm still going over there every night for dinner? Or I still live with them, you know? And, and then I, I'm imagining it in that process, you're helping that individual to also see how all those things 
have a connection to how he's ultimately acting out. Sure. Well, because here's a guy who really has, I mean, let's just say, for example, you got a guy here who, who mom does do or dad still does a lot of things for them. Maybe they are, we won't even put an age on it. We'll just say maybe they're not working in the field yet where they really want to be. So they're hardly working or they're minimally working or they're not working at all. They hang out all day in front of the TV or in front of a video game. Uh, you know, because we can't really put a, an age limit on that because, you know, you could have a 25-year-old who's doing that. that That's not so, such a great idea. You may have an 18-year-old that's saying, well, no, I'm, it's my summer of my high school senior year mm -hmm. and I'm done. I just want a summer off. So we don't want to over uh, kill on this. But what we'd like, to, I just kind of want to throw out there is you've got this kind of scenario where pretty much all of his needs are being met. If he doesn't do it, you know, sometimes mom will complain a lot or dad will complain a lot that he doesn't do it, but they end up going ahead and doing it for him anyway. Mm -hmm. So he's tolerated this idea that, well, I have to put up with some of their complaining, but I go ahead and get what I want in the end anyway. So there's always a meal there. There's always, you know, food on the table. There's always ways that he can, can soothe himself and comfort himself by mom doing his laundry or watching their TV or hanging out in his bedroom. But if you start to think about that, you've really got a man here who has no other outlet for any of the passion or creativity or, or functionality that God puts in every man. So really what he's doing is he's coming home and he's comforted in this nest, so to speak, but he has no excitement in his life. He has no thrill. He has no place where he enjoys hanging out with the other guys or finding that job that really tests his strength or his mental capabilities. He has nothing that brings him to the next level. Mm -hmm. So where is he going to go to try to find some excitement or thrill? He's going to go to that place that he's got right in front of him, which is his sexuality. And so then he starts to pour everything into that sexuality that will allow him to have at least some living. I mean, God said, you, I'm giving you life so that you can have it and live it abundantly. He's not got abundant life, so he's looking for something to, to substitute for his lack of living abundantly. Now, what do you tell that guy? Because I think, you know, we've, we've both seen plenty of guys in this very scenario that, um, that have a very, very hard time, first of all, just embracing the idea of breaking away, let alone actually going about doing it. And and what are some of the obstacles that that guy typically faces in in adopting or embracing this idea that we're talking about of saying it's time to grow up, it's time to get out there and spread your wings, it's time for you to get a job, it's time for you to break away and be independent from your parents. What are what are a lot of the obstacles that that individual has? Because we, you know sometimes it, it, it it's easy to say well the parents are hanging on. But a lot of times the son's sort of allowing that and, not, and is okay with that. We oh, see a lot of, and so what are the obstacles to him actually saying, yeah, I'm going to get out there on my own and, and, and be a man? Well, the most amazing contradiction, I think, of our world at times is this thing where, you know, a, a person can think, well, if I do everything for my child and somehow I'm showing them this great love, where in actuality, sometimes when you do everything for your child, you're actually showing them that they're absolutely never going to be capable. Because if you're always doing mm -hmm. for them, then they never get to see their own capability. And so you got a guy here who's afraid that he's really not all that capable. And so if that's ever tested, 
then he's going to get afraid. So I think fear is the biggest obstacle. Here. And a lot of times, then there's there's criticism if he does try to launch out on his own. He flops and then comes kind of crawling back to mom and dad. Absolutely. Sometimes there's criticism there that says, "What were you thinking? I mean, right. we've always provided for you, and we've never failed you, and blah blah blah." You know all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, then you've also got the other side of the coin where the guy says. You know, in, at 17, I was okay just laying around doing nothing because that was okay. But now the kid is now 25, and so the parents sometimes have these huge expectations of, well, he's 25, he should be making 30000 a year by now and, do, and having a decent job. So that's even greater pressure and fear on this guy. I think ultimately what the guy has to learn is, is you know, I have, I've, I've been stunted in my growth in this area, so I have to come back and start taking baby steps to start over again. I really actually might have to acknowledge that I'm only 16 or 15 and maybe I need to get my first job at McDonald's before I shoot for the $30,000 a year job. And the more he does that, the more he learns to fly on his own, so to speak, and realize I've got some things that I can do. Now, how do you coach an individual in that situation when he's starting to maybe implement some of these things and sort of catching the vision for for this transition that's going to need to take place if he's really going to, kind of in the eagle example, fully mature and fly? Right. How do you coach that individual when they start actually getting resistance from their parents in that venture? Well, that's when the amazing thing that God does in all of us is it begins to occur, is, is that guy begins to spread his own wings a little bit here and there, and mom and dad kind of buck up against that because it doesn't fit with what they've always known, then yeah, he's going to get resistance, but then he has to resist back to that. And when he turns back to them and says, no, you know, I'm not going to allow you to do this anymore. I'll do my own laundry or I am going to move out soon. And here's the big question, because then a lot of those guys in that situation, if you tell them that specific advice right there, they'll say, but isn't that dishonoring my parents? Sure. A lot of people say that, but it's not dishonoring your parents. It's dishonoring their brokenness. And that's exactly what you want to do. You do want to dishonor their brokenness. So it's sort of the it's sort of the idea of you're speaking the truth in love to them. That's right. And you're allowing God to do what I was saying earlier, which was that great thing that he tends to do in all of us, which is he begins to heal the son. As the son begins to resist back to the parents, the parents begin to heal as well. And you know what? I think, and I want to touch on that. I really want to hone in on that because, you know, we, we typically deal with the the sex addict, right. the one who's struggling with the addiction. And every single person who develops a sexual addiction has brokenness from their history. They've got brokenness from the childhood. And I have seen it where a sex addict will begin to sort of light up when they realize two things. Number one, that they can be free, right. that they don't have to live that way anymore. And number two, that they could possibly affect change in their own family, in their, with their own parents. It's almost like, especially those who are in sort of this enmeshed role with their parents, where they're just remaining in that boyhood mode. It's amazing to see them when they start to kind of embrace manhood, that they could actually be a catalyst for change in their parents, because their whole life has been a one-way street with their parents. Right. Everything comes down to them from the parents. They've never been sort of liberated to think that you can minister to your parents. Right. And it's an amazing transition that can take place in a family. Absolutely. And then the sex addict begins to realize, hey, maybe I wasn't always the biggest, worst, broken person in this family. Like maybe I we're all broken, like right? <laughs> right. And then the other piece to that is you generally start to see, at least with the parents, that usually there's a reason why they've poured all their time, energy, and attention into this kid. 
because maybe they don't know how to relate to one another. So mm-hmm. then you find the mom and dad starting to have to relate more on an adult level with each other, and it in- increases their cohesiveness, their ability to be in a, in a relationship. And the parents sometimes realize, hey, maybe I've been missing out all these years and not hanging out with my husband or my wife all these years. And that's a great point to make because a lot of times what you'll find is, you know, there's usually an overly involved, one of the parents is the one that's more overly involved with the child. Right. And usually that's kind of been their, um, well, they, they're they dependent. Sure. It, it sounds kind of crazy, but the parent actually becomes dependent on that relationship with that child. And so they want to perpetuate that because guess what? Maybe if, if that kid is 20, 21, 22, and, and it's really time to cut those apron strings and let them fly, that one spouse, whichever one is the one that's more meshed with the child, will look to their spouse and go, I don't know that person. Absolutely. And it scares them to death to think, if, th- if I lose, quote-unquote, lose this child to, the, to their life and to whatever's next for them, I'm lost, right? Because it's I don't know like, my husband or wife. You know, absolutely. It's almost like the, the overly enmeshed parent says, "If I lose this kid, what is this guy or this woman I've been living with for the past thirty years? What do we talk about? Right? What do we do? We don't even know how to relate. We don't so know each other. Yeah, us. exactly. So we've always related around this kid, and so that kind of helps open that door to okay." Now you're forced, mom and dad, to look at each other. And, and so you, see, you kind of see how this thing comes full circle and that, that we want to hope, hopefully let the listeners know we're looking at a bigger picture here than just a guy who's struggling with sexually addicted behaviors. Absolutely. We're saying whenever, and I know you have this attitude, whenever somebody comes in your office and you see them there and they're, they're spilling their guts about all their behaviors involved in, I know that in the back of your mind you're thinking there's a whole family that needs healing here. Absolutely. Because the sexual addiction is just the tip of the iceberg. Right. It's everything underneath that causes the sexual addiction. And it's easier sometimes to just point at the guy and say, oh, you're the broken one. You got the one. Get you're cleaned the one up, who yeah. can't, can't control his sexuality, so we're going to blame this on you. And I don't want to step on any further toes here that maybe we've already stepped on, but I would offer to you that this is along a continuum just like every other brokenness. And so you may have a guy out there right now who's thinking, well, I don't live with my, my, my mom anymore. But guess what? It might be the wife who's taken over that role at some mm-hmm. point. And she does everything for her husband. She rescues him every time when he needs this, needs that, doesn't need this, doesn't need that. And so it may be that she's the one that's kind of enabling some of this. He doesn't need to grow up. I'll always take care of everything. Now, real quickly, we've got a few more minutes left. I want to, what would you say to the parents? Any parents that may be listening that something's starting to resonate with them and say, you know, maybe I have this level of kind of unhealthy relationship with my son what would be some first initial steps they could take to actually help their son, you know, spread his wings and fly and how they can then learn new ways to cope and heal and manage their own brokenness as a parent? Well, I think absolutely. You know, if you've got a, especially because most of the folks we work with are all men, of course. And so I think if you've got a son out there who's so stunted that he is 22, 25 in that age range of even up to 30 and he's still living at home and you're still taking care of him and you're still paying his bills and you're still going here with him, going there with him, and you're, then you really should begin at least looking at why is this happening. And uh, one of the things that is most difficult at that point is to turn and say, no, son, I'm not going to do that for you anymore. And it can start on a small level. It can be the laundry. Start with the laundry. 
It's not going to kill him to wear dirty underwear two days in a row. It may take ten days in a row <laughs> before he gets up and starts doing his own laundry. But it's okay to say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Or going in and changing his sheets once a week, you know. So start just drawing some gradual lines. Where And, and it sounds like what you're also saying is for that parent to ask themselves what their motivation is. Sure, for why they're doing that. Sure, because we're, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent, we all want to do great we things love our for kids. our kids. I mean, we... and absolutely, and, and who wants a little six-year-old kid to go to bed in dirty sheets? So we clean their sheets, and if they say, Mom, can you pick me up some ice cream bars for, for this week? Sure, you want to go do those kinds of things. But when they're 25, then it's time to say, no, you know, uh, I'll give you the bare basics here for a while. I might even give you like six months to kind of start to get your wings out. Because it's six months, I'm cutting you off. You know, that may be what a parent has to do. Mm -hmm. I'll give you six months. You better need to find a job. You need to start looking around for a place to live. You know, I may even let you live here for, you know, all those things are small steps. You start making small steps towards change. Because, by the way, back to the eagle example, just so you don't think that somehow a bald eagle comes up to its to its uh, chick one day and just flings them out of the nest, right. actually what the, the mama bald eagle will do is start turning up the twigs in the nest to where it becomes extremely uncomfortable for that chick to remain in the nest. Wow, then, Jonathan, you really know your eagles. It's kind of, my you? mom has told me all this, actually. She's oh, okay. big on eagles and stuff. and so. But anyway, um, and so what that does, it's like a preparation to say, this place is going to actually become uncomfortable for you if you stay here. It's not where sure. you're meant to be. And I think for a parent, if you can start to think that way, you know what, if, if we really, truly love our children... We're gonna we're gonna take that that passage out of Philippians two that says to consider others' needs more important than our own, because at a certain point, if you've got a twenty five or thirty year old son that is still completely dependent upon you, it's still about you as a parent. Absolutely. Receiving, and so there's a point at which you say, you know, what, for my son to really soar and fly, I can't keep it so comfortable for, here for him. Right. There's a point at which he's going to have to realize. It's going to actually be worse for you to stay in this boyhood relationship with me rather than becoming a man. And then we can have a an adult child to an adult parent relationship. And that's a very different dynamic than an adult parent to a child child. That's right. <laughs> and it's truly then the parent is begins the healing process because they may have to ask themselves, what's going to happen if I truly turn my son over to God and mm -hmm. allow him to suffer the consequences, I don't always rush in and save him. I don't always step in and make things comfortable for him. And then why am I wanting to still do that? Because sometimes a parent has a lot of their worth wrapped up in how their kids are happy, how happy their kids are. Sometimes a kid has to be unhappy for a little while to find freedom. We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart. Your love has done its part. Let him live.